welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. I get the privilege of uh, just recapping around Nehemiah, and uh, there are so many wonderful themes in this series. Who's appreciated the series? It's been great, hasn't it? been wonderful. I reckon we could spend years on this book. Um, and you know, the, 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 the interesting thing about this wall that was constructed that we read about in Nehemiah, the, the walls around Jerusalem, was actually the, the, the perimeter was just over four kilometres. That's a big wall. It's um, on average 11 to 12 metres high. That's a high wall. To put it in a context, the Great Wall of China averages about five to six metres. About 2.5 metres thick of stone. One, so hang on, let me go. One, two and a half. That's about the thickness, all of stone around the whole of the city of Jerusalem. And we see this great story where God moves through one person and then his people to reconstruct the safety providing the security and the protection of His people. God is so very interested in you. You know that, don't you? He really does care about you. And um, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from. I want you to, to, to know this. You should never underestimate what God can do through a surrendered soul. Never underestimate that. If you're taking notes, write that down, in fact. Never underestimate the power of one. Never underestimate the power of one. That is you. Never underestimate how God has made you. Never underestimate that your uniqueness, your distinctiveness brings something special into the world. God doesn't want clones. He has made you with intention, with design, with purpose. And here we see this guy called Nehemiah. And it, 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 it starts very clearly with a heart cry of a man named Nehemiah. Let's read from verse 3. It says, And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. One great theme that we've got to understand here is, 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 is the of one surrendered soul can do amazing things. And Nehemiah, he was somewhat of an organizer. He, he can re read a little bit later. He was administrative. But he took that heart cry, that burden, straight to God. Have you ever had a burden for something that is just too much to ignore? And we all have different burdens. We all have different heart cries. Don't ignore it. And this is what we see with Nehemiah. He was one person who had an ache in his heart. And he turned his cry to God before we see him carry that burden. For which God to then use to affect a whole nation. Let's read on. I'm going to go from verse 11. Nehemiah writes, So I went to Jerusalem and I was there for three days. Then I arose in the night and I... 
I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass." Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, and I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. A lot of eyes in there, aren't there? Oh, God's given me this great burden, but I want you to do it. God should be doing this in the church. God needs to do that. Why isn't life like this? Why isn't the world more like that? Perhaps your complaint, the complaint of your heart, perhaps that thing that's moving you is God saying, hey, I want you to do something. I go by this uh, this, this saying, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Never underestimate responsibility. Take it on when you can. Never underestimate you. What you bring to the table is significant. We all bring something incredibly significant to the table. You know that, don't you? So we, we, we've got this, this offering of faith, and maybe for you, it's, you think, well, it's, 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 it's all I've got is bring it. That's significant. Don't think that the great amounts alone are what pleases God. God just wants a surrendered soul that trusts Him. So whether it's $5, or whether it's $5,000, whether it's $50,000, oh, hullabadoozy to that one. To God, He celebrates the widow's might as the much of the millionaire. Never underestimate what He can do through you. Never underestimate. Pastor Lawrence Aram and Eigen, we saw him up there. I spoke about him before. He, um, his father pastors one of the largest churches in, in his city, in Coimbatore. And his father, Pastor Peter, had plans to hand the church over to Pastor Lawrence. Pastor Lawrence, however, was carrying a burden... Like Nehemiah, he was carrying a burden for young children, for small kids, disadvantaged, underprivileged children. And he turned his back on what might have made good sense in the natural, and he had to respond to this burden within his heart. And he says, Dad, I love you, but God has placed a burden in my heart for young, underprivileged children. And so now Pastor Lawrence has children's homes throughout India. How many people have been to one of those homes here? How moving is it to see those kids? It's phenomenal. And it all started with a heartache in Pastor Lawrence. Who's carrying a heartache here? Never underestimate now. We we have stories of some of these children now passing through the children's homes. One of them, Scott, what's his name? We're talking this morning about the one that's going to pastor. What's the pastor? Balaji. 
another one that's going into law school, another one that's just become a, 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 a police officer. These are kids that had no hope and future. One example of a young girl, she was found in a bush, just wandering. And so they, they took this child on. Isn't it amazing? Multiple communities are being affected now because one man, Pastor Lawrence, just had a heartache and had to do something about it. What moves you? What breaks your heart? Perhaps. Perhaps for some of you, even in this season, God's calling you, like He did with Esther, for such a time as this, to stand up. Esther, she had a heart cry for her people, her nation. They were going to be wiped off the map. The Jews were going to be wiped from extinction. You can read about this in in Esther chapter 4 and around about verse 14. There was this opportunity for this one woman who put herself on the line. She could have died to petition for, for the people. She put herself on the line because she had a burden for her people and she was willing to risk it all. And as a result, we see her foreshadowing Christ in a sense. She put herself on the line for her people. Fast forward the conversation then to Nehemiah. Nehemiah also foreshadowing Jesus. A type of Christ puts himself on the line to bring restoration. A sense of rebuilding and of renewing. I really uh, marvel at people that put, the, put themselves on the line and don't just do it from afar. But uh, one example in history, there, there is a, a lady by the name of um, Irina Sendler. How many people have heard of this lady? Irina Sendler. That's her. She passed away in the year 2008. 98 years old. What Irina Sendler um, was recognised globally for, actually, was... Um, for saving Jewish people. Between two and a half and three thousand Jewish children were saved because she smuggled them out. She's a Polish socialist. She was 29 years at the time, in the year 1939, when the Nazis were running riot. She put herself on the line and uh, she started, she actually pretended to be a nurse in some respects, going into camps and smuggling out small children. Imagine that, not just one or two, not just 10 or 20, not just 100 or 200, but two and a half to 3,000 Jewish children were saved because she couldn't handle the thought of doing nothing in the face of crisis. She would see small children going hungry, she would see these small children getting tortured. And she just couldn't stand by and do nothing. There was an opportunity that was there. Never underestimate the power of one. In fact, she, as she went on, she actually recruited some others to work with her to help smuggle these people out. And that's another theme that we can read about in Nehemiah, never underestimate the power of us. 
We see that in Nehemiah. It's not just about one, it's, it's about the power of us. In uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, let's continue to read down there. Nehemiah said, You see the troubles we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. So what's happening there? This is a man who's saying, look, if it's going to be, it's up to me, but we've got to do this together. It can't just be on the gifts of one or two, but on the sacrifices of many. We can do something significant. And so Nehemiah says, come on, let's get this done. We can do it, people. The people responded. They said, let us stand up. Let us strengthen our hands for the good work that's before us. And they began building. And you may have found this in your life, perhaps you haven't, but when you go about doing the work of God, you go about doing good work, and you've even got people standing with you, God looks for unity. Remember this, it's our unity that attracts the blessing. This is Psalm 133 stuff. We've got to be united. We've got to be working together. Together. Our unity attracts the blessing. And even as we're working together, you've got to know that Opposition will come, right? Hello? Anyone faced opposition when you're pursuing Jesus or doing the good work? Have you ever faced that before? God allows that to happen, and what this does, it helps test your authority so that it can be developed. Opposition is a good thing. I mean, look at, look at guys like Scott Jones. When he goes to the gym and he works out, he's putting his muscles under tension, what, what, someone's laughing at your scooter, at your bulging biceptacles. When he's doing his bicep curls, there is an opposition. But what is it doing? It's strengthening him. And when God allows us to go through a little bit of pain, it's an opportunity for us to grow and develop. God just doesn't want to take you into heaven. He wants you to become like Jesus. And so for you to become like Jesus, he's going to expose you to a few trials in life. So that it would cause us to lean on His Spirit to do a work within. And so when opposition comes, and we see this continually in Nehemiah, the enemy would kind of distract us and try to divide us up and discourage us and, and to stop us and divide us up, right? But a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. So in the midst of opposition, friends, let's continue to stand. Let's continue to be united. Let's remember that he's more important than our differences. Read this all throughout Nehemiah, this opposition. It doesn't just stop here in chapter 2. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the, the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and they despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper. He will do it. And we, his servants, will arise. We will build. But you have no portion or right or claim.
distraction, accusation, intimidation, all things that come your way in an effort to dissuade you away from doing what God has put within you, what He's put in front of you. But we got to be we got to be cluey. We have an enemy. And do you know it's it's interesting with with this whole book, we can see the enemy used people to destroy the wall. But he used people to bring about opposition. But God used people to rebuild that wall. So it's always through people, right? Interesting that people can be our friends and our enemies. It's interesting. And even in the house of God, the people that we have highest expectations upon... They can hurt us the most. Hello? Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Now, when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. People are mocking them for doing the work of God. It's going to happen. If people came against Jesus, they're going to come against you. When you take a stand for Jesus, we've got to be resolute, friends. We've got to be resolute. We've got to be resolute. Check out Nehemiah chapter 6, continual barrage of accusations, continual barrage of intimidation, again and again and again and again. Even after the wall was built, opposition still happened, but we've got to make sure as, as, as we're building, as we're reconstructing, you know, we can't allow, we can't allow any distractions. We, we, we can't, we can't pay attention. We can't pay attention to all of those. And, 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 and if we're not careful, maybe distraction will creep in. Maybe, maybe we'll be disheartened. There are that many people that will come and They'll oppose us. But what, what, what has God got in your heart? And who are you living for? See, Nehemiah said, I can't, I can't come down and entertain Voices like that. I can't come down off this wall. The, the work is too great. It's too great. Don't let the enemy, even in your own self-talk, stop you from doing what he has called you to. Well, who do you think you are? You don't have enough money for that. You don't have enough time for that. You don't have enough gifts for that. You don't have the charisma for that. You're not good looking enough for that. You don't have the mental fortitude for that. Whatever it is, you've got to stay on that wall. You've got to stay on that wall, friends. You've got to stay on that wall. God is calling His people to keep building. And you'll notice even in Nehemiah, some of the people, they were building and defending at the same time. As you're building... 
Be prepared to defend. We've got to do it together. We've got to stand together. Don't let the enemy divide us up. Don't let him distract you. Don't let him discourage you. Because when we do work together, when we do stand united, blessing comes. And you know what? The blessing is not just about you. The blessing is about people as well. You know, I get so blessed when other people are blessed, not just, oh, I felt the goosebumps of the Holy Spirit just then. Oh, did you feel that? Oh, there it was again. The warm, tingly, oh, the Holy Ghost just touched me. I'm not against that, by the way. But it's more than that. Blessing is more than that. I'll give you an example. When we stand together, when we work together. Through a couple of years, we raised faith offerings for a work in Africa. We just planted a church over in Livingston in Zambia. And with that church, we didn't know where we were going to meet, but we felt that we were to request that the church started meeting in a school. Not just any school, the number one technical college in all of Zambia. No church was meeting there. This school is called Hillcrest Technical College. It is known throughout the nation of Zambia for raising up engineers and doctors. And so they get trained, a lot of the, it's a high school, students get trained in Livingston and they often go out to Lusaka or even other surrounding nations. It is known for its education. Now, it's not a technical college like we know it, like it's, if it's a high-end school here, everything looks prim and proper and everything is Mickey Mouse. But over there, it's a developing nation, right? So when we started meeting, our, having our church services in Livingston just over a year ago, we started meeting in a school hall. We're talking bare concrete, some glass windows are smashed, not just in that hall, but throughout the school. But we just started praising God. The school were, I guess, cautiously optimistic about a relationship with our church. So they allowed us to use the building, the school hall. I just caught up with Rose, the principal, in my last stopover in July. And as I sat down with Rose, the principal, she says, listen, Pastor Josh, I need to thank you. I said, what for, Rose? She says, for coming and having your church services in our school. It has blessed us. She used that word. It has blessed us. I says, how has it blessed the school? She says, in two ways. Number one, the student behavior has drastically changed. All the students now are behaving themselves. I don't know what it is. And students are starting to come to our services on Sunday morning. She said, the second thing is, she goes, ever since you came in and started using our hall, what you did was, and this is what, this is, this is what we did, instead of paying them rent, they said, can you just help fix the hall up? So we just painted it, we fixed a couple of windows, we put some curtains up in their main hall. We, we, we worked with another businessman um, over there and we did a partnership where they painted the hall outside of the hall. She says, ever since you've done that, we have taken great pride in our school. And this is true because when I drove in there this time, the school looks very different. The gardens are kept. Other buildings have been painted. Windows that were smashed are now restored. She says, since you have taken care of that hall, we have now thought, we can't just have one good-looking building. 
we have to take care of the rest of the grounds too. So they are stage by stage helping fix up the rest of their school. It has made such an impact on, on the change now and the standard has, has drastically increased that other schools and other people from the education department, even as far as Lusaka, are, are preferring to use Hillcrest for their meetings. So word has got out, the blessing has gone out just from, from our church into the secular community, even the education sector, where they're coming in and they're saying, we want to use that school because we see that something has changed. See, that's the blessing of God. When we stand together, unity commands a blessing. And that blessing comes from the power of God. Never, never, never underestimate the power of God. One theme that we've talked about, never underestimate the power of one. Another theme, never underestimate the power of us. But most importantly, never underestimate the power of God. Never underestimate that. Never. Nehemiah 6, verse 15 says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elul in 52 days. That's phenomenal. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. His sovereignty brings the miraculous. His sovereignty brings the miraculous. Never overlook or second guess what He can do. Only he can really do the rebuilding. It's only him. We, 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 we look at the broken pieces around about us, even the broken pieces of our lives, and we think, well, how does this, how does this fit? I don't know how this is all going to work. I, 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 I don't see, but you know, God, God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows how it fits. And perhaps, perhaps you've come in today and you're feeling a little bit broken. Maybe the walls of your heart have been broken down and, 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 and you're not sure how it's all going to piece together, you just got to know that he knows what he's doing. And he can. He has some divine purposes. And he can piece together what looks to be just rubble. There's a Japanese art form about five to six hundred years ago it was started. It's called Kintsugi. Kintsugi. Can we show a picture, please, of Kintsugi arts? The idea with Kintsugi, as, as a beautifying object, look at that blue and gold, is just leave it at that one, thanks. When an item like a, a vase or a bowl or a lamp breaks and shatters, a lot of the time what we might do is throw it out. But the Japanese don't believe that. In fact, about 600 years ago, they started getting these pieces together And appreciating the beauty in the brokenness. And how, <clears throat> how you end up with a piece like this 
is the shattered pieces, the broken pieces, it takes time to recognize how they all fit together. And then a bit of resin, usually from a tree, is made and is put upon the fragmented broken parts and then it is fit together. They usually wait about a week for that to take place and so it it is essentially glued sometimes three and four times to ensure that the adhesion is strong enough. And then the artist would take a bit of red paint and paint over where the pieces are joined. And after that, they tend to sprinkle bold dust over that red paint. The idea of the gold is to not hide the brokenness, but to see the beauty in it. See, we often like to hide our weakness, don't we? We like to hide our brokenness. We don't like to see that there are some breaks. But there is a great method. The reason why they paint red is to bring out the colour gold all the more. Kintsugi actually means gold repairs or golden joinery. You should never throw away broken objects. Maybe you're here and you're feeling broken and destroyed and wrecked. You're not a write-off. This is a great picture of the gospel. This is a wonderful picture of the gospel. This is Jesus, actually. See, Jesus isn't afraid of his scars. We talk about the risen Lord, but he is also the crucified Lord. When I see Jesus, I'm going to see the scars in his hands. The scars points to the redemption. It points to what he went through for me. It points to his brokenness. We serve a God who is not ashamed of brokenness. He's not ashamed of vulnerability. He's not ashamed of humility. It is something to be celebrated. And so just like Kintsugi, perhaps you're like that incredible piece of pottery. What about that last pottery? Can we show that one, please? See, with Jesus in you, he is the light that lives within, perhaps he wants to show you off as a trophy of grace. Perhaps the brokenness of life, perhaps, maybe he does want to repair, but don't be ashamed of your tears. Don't be ashamed of your pain. Don't be ashamed of your heartache. Never waste your tears or your heartache. Give it to Jesus. And you never know. As he heals you and he puts you back together, he can point to those scars and say, I've brought healing. See me in the middle of it. See me in the middle of that. The story of Nehemiah was... It was never really about people rebuilding the wall. It was about God rebuilding his people. That's what it was about. God rebuilding his faithfulness. His faithfulness to his people. A people that walked 
in a sense, away from covenant relationship. And God says, that doesn't matter. It's my faithfulness, not your faithlessness. It's my goodness, not yours. It's my perfection, not yours. My sufficiency, not your insufficiency. And that's his promise to us. Perhaps this is you. And the walls of your heart have been broken down. And you're looking at the rubble and you're saying, I, I don't know how I can deal with this addiction. It, it, it's nothing. I, I, I don't know this, this rebellion that I have in my heart. It, it's, 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 it's been there for too long. This greed, this, this strife, this, this, this envy. I can't get rid of this. I'm just like rubble. I'm broken. And, and yet the power of God is so good. He says, let me do something with you. Let me rebuild. I can do it. Let's stand together. And you know the interesting thing? Is that God uses us in community to help rebuild that wall. That's how we work. He works through us. The enemy works through us, but so does God. And God wants to possibly even use the, per- use the person next to you or around about you in this community, in this church community, to say, hey, I want to renew you. I want to restore you. I want to rebuild you and give you a new identity, to give you a new name. You're not just broken rubble. I'll put you together. Nehemiah means, who remembers? The name Nehemiah means God comforts. He comforts. What a great message for that book. What a great theme that God. I'd love to pray before I hand over to Scott and he's just going to call us to give together. But, you know, as we consider what God has done and who he is, it it really does a work inside of our hearts. It, It gives us a sense of joy and celebration. In a moment, I just want to think about if we can together. I want to think about how God has rebuilt us in one sense. But I also want to ask, well, does, does God need to rebuild me? And let's consider this. It says, after the war was built, they offered great sacrifices that day and they rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. There was such joy. There was such joy. The rebuilding the bringing back together, the restoring, the renewing, it brought joy. Here is a call to restore the joy of His salvation. Can we just wait for a minute or two? And just ask the Lord these two things. Lord, may I remember how you have renewed me, restored me, rebuilt me. And perhaps for some of you, we can ask that question. Lord, do I need to be renewed? Do I have broken bits in my life that I've just got to put back in your hand? Let's pray and wait together. Father, as we just think about your goodness and your faithfulness to us, I want to thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our lives, my life. You've rebuilt. 
You put me back together. Because of Jesus, the great forerunner, who has built the wall. Oh, Lord, restore joy again. And may a sound calm that brings a loud shout to the surrounding nations. Lord, for some of us this morning, that we need to be rebuilt. We need to be restored. We need to be renewed. Would we allow you to do that, Lord? It might take moments. It might take longer. But we surrender ourselves to you. When I was waiting during the week about, about this service, I really felt this, to just declare this for some of you. I feel like the Lord's saying that your latter years will be greater than your former. Your latter years will be greater than your former. And that ties in so well. Remember not the former things. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. And a new thing and a new season will require a new you. I've got something in you and in front of you. Let me do it. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.